Hello and welcome to Bard Talk. I just broke everybody's speakers, don't care. Uh, my name is Josh, as always, and I'm here with a very special promised part two with probably one of the greatest people I've had on this podcast, uh, Liz. No, that would not be true. Nah, it's 100% true. Alright, I'll take it. Um, I, I think that last time around, talking about, like, how you had your kids and the circumstances around that adoption like there was so much in there and I really appreciate you sharing your story with me and by proxy everybody who once a week tunes in for some reason to listen to me because you're awesome I mean people have to go out and download this like they have to work for it like the radio just kind of dribbles it down your chin and like People have to click download and listen to this stuff, so it's it's pretty cool. I like everybody that listens. Um, Thanks, guys. And uh, I, I don't know what we're getting into today. As I'm much. asking you questions. Oh, really? Yeah, let's just rapid fire these and then just talk. Then just talk? That yeah, sounds why good. Not? Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. What movie do you wish life was more like? Oh, man. All right. So... I made no bones about my feelings uh, on certain series. Uh, it's not my favorite movie. I actually think the movies are garbage, but like the series are really good. Okay. But if I was going to pick a movie I wish life was like, uh, 100% it would be Star Trek. That'd be cool. And, and I say this because um, when, when it's like sci-fi is a nerd genre. I know. Shout out to all my nerds. But... Like, in every futuristic setting, mm-hmm. every fu- Terminator, uh, Aliens, you pick the movie. It's always like a dystopian, post-apocalypse, like, the world is falling apart or society's falling apart. But in Star Trek, it's the first series movie where we fixed it. Right. Like, we, we, we stopped this bullshit about, like, how important clay is and flags and all that stuff. And we became the United Federation. And we stopped warring with each other. We stopped arguing over resources. We realized they're all finite. Everybody has a claim to them. And we just started bettering society. And then most importantly, mm-hmm. the thing that gets my dick throbbing <laughs> <laughs> about Star Trek is our goal isn't to conquer anything like we literally just become people who wouldn't go out and learn about the universe and that is my jam like that's all i want like i i know it like i've said before like my my goal in life is to be a municipal firefighter and serve the community for as many years as i can offer and be really good and help people but i love learning new things so much like that's my jam that's your jam? That is a long-winded question. I'm so sorry. No, I don't care. I love it. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. What's your most useless talent? Um, my most useless talent. Ah, oh, geez. I feel like I am... I always joke that, like, I am a jack-of-all-trades, but, mm-hmm. like, a master of absolutely none. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can listen to music... And tell you how they make that sound and what instrument makes that sound. That's actually and really cool. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> Wait, that's awesome. Like I was driving in the car yesterday, uh-huh. and I was listening to Kina, okay. and he very famously uses a drum machine. A lot of rappers do. Yeah. 
but they all use um, a, a tom ride, and on a drum machine it comes out like, and and to get it on like an actual t like like an actual drum set, um, the the snare drum has like a bunch of beads in it, and you can turn this thing, oh. and it changes the sound of the snare. Oh. So like the drum machines have this snare ride and it's like so popular right now in rap and I, I, every time i hear it, it like oh he used that thing <laughs> he used that thing that's actually really cool um something about you people get wrong and bothers you something that people like assume of you and they're always wrong oh and it bothers you because they're wrong because it's just like what everyone thinks is people wrong think about you uh, real, real stuff. Real, the real thing people really assume. Um, it's a deep question. We can skip it if you want. No, no. I think people assume that, well, I say it all the time. People are like, oh, you're really smart. You are uh, really see, smart. See, but I, I don't think, I think people who are very passionate about something can get really engrossed in that one thing and they can like really understand a subject and I think that's cool and I think that's how we measure intelligence right okay. like people who are PhD candidates and they pick a topic in college and then they go to get their masters and then they go to get their doctorate in said thing and it's 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 great you like really specialize in this one thing but mm -hmm. i just through like homeschooling moving around the way i live i get exposed to a bunch of things so i have like this broad understanding of a bunch of topics right but it's so shallow like i only know enough to like hold a conversation on that thing and then people assume i'm smart and i don't i don't think i think i think that also though like talking to you as your friend it's like you're able to have a conversation not a lot of people nowadays are like oh let's have a conversation it's not like we just kind of sit around and well not not that you asked but i think one of the things that i read one time um my favorite auth author of all time mm -hmm. ernest Hemingway, once said that like small people discuss other people and smart people discuss like events but real people discuss ideas right and i've always held that as like my standard for okay you know like talking about so and so that's like dumb banal conversation and then talking about like things that happen like the weather or or you know the hotel that collapsed in miami right that's banal stuff but like if you can sit here and we can have a serious discussion about like string theory or like, right. like ideas big ideas like that excites me that that sets my soul on fire and mostly because i just have a lot of value in that quote makes sense that's a good quote um okay what wouldn't you do for six million dollars what wouldn't i do for six million dollars yeah i would not be able to harm or have harm come to anybody I care about. Makes sense. 
Anything else, like, for me, yeah, I don't care. Like, you can skewer me with the biggest dildos you can find <laughs> and spit roast me over. If, I don't care. I'll, like, I'll I'll take that because I would 100% take that $6 million and, like, everybody I cared about would be taken care of. But I couldn't actually physically harm or allow harm to come to anybody. Right. Makes sense. Um, what high-level job do you think you could lie yourself into with no experience? so that no one would notice and then how would you keep up with the lies in order to keep the job <laughs> it's a good question it I'm is sorry. a good question <laughs> um so i think i could get myself on staff at like a large city zoo okay <laughs> you could you totally could <laughs> we're breaking everyone's ears no totally i i think i could lie my way into a zoo and like Work in the reptile, like, area. Right, and then become, like, the head of it, and then just... And just keep going with it. And, like, nobody would know. You'd eventually just own the zoo. I would just... I'd own that corner of the zoo. Just be like, this is my zoo. That's great. You're not bringing in that snake, sir. No. No. That's (laughs) not happening. Not today. That's great. Um, If you could learn only one spell, but it has to be something mundane and boring, what spell would you have? Oh, Harry Potter rules? Because that helps me narrow it down. Um, sure, why not? Let's throw that in there. And then you're going to tell me whether or not it's a mundane spell? No, it's whatever you think is mundane. I'm not going to tell you if it's mundane or not. Well, okay, so I'm aware of, uh, there's this part in Deathly Hallows, Mm -hmm. I think, where, like, Hermione um, enchants her parents... To forget she exists. Right. Is that a mundane spell? No. No. That's like pretty extravagant. Is it? Yeah. Damn. I think so. That's like a big deal to someone forget that you exist. That would be my go-to though. Like anytime like I hurt somebody's feelings or like I did something wrong, I would just be like, you know, forget a kiss. Forget a kiss. (laughs) Like, I don't know. What did she say? I don't know. I haven't seen those movies in like a couple years. And just like like my face would come off pictures and I just like ghost. Ghost. That'd be funny. I mean I guess it's mundane. I mean it's not it's like, like it's not like you're I don't know. It's not like I'm causing a thousand cuts on somebody. Right. Or like let's talk about how Snape can heal everybody. Right. That's pretty extravagant. That is pretty extravagant. Or what about Hagrid can do like wandless wordless magic? That's true. Can we talk about that? We can if you want. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next question I have for you is a kind of a big one. And it might take like a while for you because I know how your brain works. Oh, really? Am I, your... am I taking too long? No. Okay. This is perfect. What's your dream tree house? Oh, my dream tree house? Yeah. Um, so I would live in Sequoia National Forest. Yes. In a tree house suspended by giant red oaks, like sustainably with like twill fibers and like good, like old fashioned rope. Right. And it would be an A-frame. That'd be so it cool. It would be an A-frame suspended and like it would, a pretty sizable one. So uh-huh. like you would walk in, the front would be entirely just glass with a door Straight in front of the door would be a small staircase to go up to a loft where I'd, I'd have my bedroom slash red room. And I'm kidding. No, <laughs> that's great. And then, like, a bathroom. 
And then downstairs, it would just be a giant living area with, like, a kitchen and, like, a dining area in the back. Uh-huh. That would... That That'd would be so cool. 100% would be... And it would be glass out the back, too. Right. There's no other way to do it. And only I would have, like, that cool electric glass for my bedroom. So, like, if I touched a button, it would frost. Yeah. <laughs> that would be sick. Or, like, the the curtains that, like... You press a button and they're like... Vroom. Yeah, and they just come... Yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. And, it, like, in the living room, it would be, like, a step down. So, like, it would be in a circle. Because, mm -hmm. I don't know, I really like circle seating arrangements. I think that... And this is so dumb, but I think, like, a rectangle arrangements, like, there's a head and the foot of the table. And there's some weird power dynamic. But if, like, you're in a circle, everybody's equal. Right. So it would be like a, a sunken in circle with just cushions on the bottom and then pillows yeah. thrown everywhere so you could like make comfort as you wanted. That's awesome. And in the center would just be like one of those um, like gem, stone, propane fireplaces, those ventless kind. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That'd be really cool. That'd be my treehouse. That's really cool. Um, I go to this church and they say this thing for their life groups. I don't know. Um, but they say something happens in circles that doesn't happen in rows. Like, circles just are better. Anyway, that was just something I thought about. Um, yeah, that's all the questions I have. But they were good questions. I was really excited to ask <laughs> They were you. good questions. Um, I've never been interviewed on my podcast. You're the first. It's the first, everybody. It's, we're breaking ground. We are, indeed. Um, so, I sent part one to my best friend Bella mm -hmm. she's obsessed um she thinks that you're the greatest but she also just listens to hear my voice so oh I know she's well hi friend. Bella Bella's the best um I was like what should I talk about and she's like oh you should tell everyone about the time we got drunk when we were 13 proceed um really random um we decided that we were gonna sneak out we were like in junior high um and I had older friends, so we decided to text them and be like, hey, come bring us alcohol at the junior high. Mm. For sure. That's where people should drink. Um, let's not ever do that. And um, if you are someone listening, don't drink on school property because it's <laughs> technically legal. I didn't know at the time. Yeah, I don't think anybody, whether you're of age or not, can bring alcohol <laughs> at school grounds. No, I don't think so either. Um but yeah, so we snuck out. I had a sleepover at her mom's house and we walked there. It probably took like 15 minutes. And we were like sitting on, they had like a gate thing in front of the bike racks. Um, Davis biking, I biked to school my whole life. But um, so yeah, and we go and we're sitting on this gate and we're drinking and bullshitting and being 13 year olds and literally we're drinking Michael's Hard Lemonade. like we were drinking juice but you know we thought that we were so cool because we were drinking alcohol um we were there probably like 45 minutes and then <laughs> some car came into the parking lot and just like sat there i'm pretty sure it was a cop <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that we were getting in trouble so we decided to run and we ran back to the house halfway there we saw our church that we went to went to youth group a lot as a kid i think i said in my last podcast it's just like where we would hang out but for some reason, we decided that we needed to pray. And we stopped and prayed that um, we wouldn't get in trouble. 
(laughs) (laughs) Because we were really scared we were going to get in trouble. And we got back to the house. We went to sleep. And about two weeks, no, maybe like a week and a half ago, she sends me a picture of the bottle cats that she had in her pocket from that night. She was like, look. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, where the hell did you find those? She's like, oh, I was getting stuff out of my dad's house just because he's moving. That is so bananas. That's bananas, huh? So funny. I have much less fun story about my first drinking excursion, if you want to hear it. Yeah, I do. So, if you were born in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, you discovered two things at the same time, always in the same way, Mm -hmm. always in the same place. I'm not kidding. I don't know how two entire generations grew up finding it in this way but um in the woods a bunch of teenagers were like building a cabin okay. or like a just i don't know just like like they were stacking logs in a square okay. call it what you will <laughs> and in that square which of course i had to investigate right um we found a hustler magazine and a half drank six pack of zima <laughs> <laughs> we what we read through the entire magazine of course and then drank the rest of their semas and i like i swear to you i grew up and um i went to high school and that was in junior high i was like 13 12 somewhere yeah. thereabouts and i'm just joking around with my friends about you you know like what do you mean you've never seen a porn mag like right they're all over the place in the woods and he's like no, I've seen one there. Like, I've just never seen one for sale. Like, they just kind of Appeared. exist. It's like those <laughs> like, strawberry candies. And and I never thought about it until I started driving truck. Oh, yeah. And you can find porn mags everywhere at truck stops. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where they all are. Right, because what else are you going to do when you're driving? Can't sit <laughs> on your phone. Well, I don't know that I could do both. Like, I used to try to... So, I don't... I'm not a big fan of Gatorade, but, like, right. the bottle openings are really big. Right. So, I used to buy Gatorade, dump it out, and then pee in Gatorade bottles. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. That's I'm great. Gross. I do that to my kids. You make them pee in Gatorade oh, bottles? Oh, yeah. Definitely. You can't do Coke, though, like, the They're openings. They're too little. I mean, at least... Listen, I'm not body shaming anybody listening to this. If you've peed in a Coke bottle, I'm sorry. Like, I like to try to fit mine in the bottle. So it doesn't splash all over the place. And I just physically am not of the size I can get into a Coke <laughs> bottle. So. That's great. <laughs> oh, my. You know some guy's listening to this and he's just like, well, I couldn't fit into a Gatorade bottle. Well, everyone can fit into a Gatorade bottle. I feel like you can. I feel like most right. people can. I feel like that's like a universal size. Yeah. It's like, it's got a good gaping... <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're, like, going full, like, rise for right, the American not... National Anthem and then peeing it. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> it's just funny. It's so stupid. You're so funny. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, it's been... I keep saying so, and it's kind of pissing me off. I was listening to your first podcast, or your second podcast, yeah. earlier today, maybe it was last night, and you're like, I'm not going to say um in this podcast, because he says, said um again, I don't know. I do say um a lot. I do too, though. My favorite guest, like, besides you, that I've had on, besides Steph, um, is Clayton. Mm-hmm. 
and Clayton has a catchphrase that's hilarious. And I know he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, how dare you hey, Clayton. snipe me like this. But, like, he says it all the time. And, uh, it, but, you know, I don't mind. I think that it's important. Like, if I'm talking to somebody, I'll go quiet a lot because I'm thinking about what I'm saying. Right. And... Some people misinterpret that silence as I'm done talking, mm-hmm. and really it's just like, I don't want to say anything dumb. But on a podcast, on radio, like, silence doesn't translate well. Right. So it's okay. Like, I've learned, I've, I've given myself the grace to say words for the sake of the podcast continuing to have sound. <laughs> so, um, and, um, uh, yeah, um, and, um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, and. It's okay. Uh, so yeah, that's funny. Actually, I like that. Um, you had mentioned something the last one, and we didn't, like, have time. I mean, I guess we could have made time. It's not like I have, you know, I don't have to play Metallica, like, on the quarter hour, but... I mean, you could. Yeah. No, I would get... How close are we? I would definitely get... (laughs) (laughs) You, you had mentioned how upset you were when you found out you were adopted. Oh, yeah, I was very upset. And you had told me this before the podcast, Mm -hmm. but, like, I was trying to let you be in the moment. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about that at all a little bit? I can talk about it. Um, I think what, well, just to, in case anyone didn't hear the other one, my sister told me, ran into the room while I was playing with toys and was like, you're adopted. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. And I was playing with my toys, so it wasn't, like, a dire thing for me to find out in that second, in that moment. Real quick, not to derail you. No. It means nothing to nobody except me. Okay. What were you playing with? I don't know. Were they, like, stuffed animals? Probably, like, Barbie stuffed animals. Like, brushing their hair? No, I... I just want to paint the picture. Demembered Barbies, so... Oh, God, it just... It went dark. (laughs) I'm very dark. Um, I could have... I mean, I could have been doing anything. Um, I know I was in my sister's room. Did you ever draw tattoos on your Barbies with, like, markers? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. I like to take off their heads and drown them. I'm not homicidal. I promise. <laughs> Maybe a little. But I wouldn't act on it. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I don't I don't know. I don't even know what I played with as a kid. Like, I don't remember. Like, I didn't have a favorite toy. Oh, really? Yeah. I had a stuffed dolphin. Really? Yep. That's really cool. His name was Flipper. That's awesome. And I had him until I was eight, and then my dad threw him out because he said it was too old for stuffed animals. You're never too old for stuffed I know, animals. right? I love stuffed animals yeah. to this day. I, was, I had a stuffed animal I slept with up until I had Elijah, actually. Um, it was... Got it when my got my tonsils out. My dad's mom sent it to me. It had a little birthday hat. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it had a birthday hat, because it was like a get better. I don't know, but it was pink and I'd chew on... It had like a pom-pom on the top, and I'd chew on the top. And I think my dad still has it, to be honest. But it's like, it's the top is just disgusting. I, I mean, that's that's. But it was my thing. That yeah, everybody has like that soft textile thing that they enjoy. Well, I also had a Hello Kitty pillow, and on my really? my yeah, my first sleepover. I think I also got it when I got my tonsils out. 
but um well, you had a very traumatic tonsillectomy um it was very traumatic they tried to put an iv in me and i got up off the bed and i ran through the halls oops they took pulled the needle out i was like three or four it scared the fuck out of me so you you're, you don't like needles no and don't talk about my tattoos because <laughs> that's the next thing everyone says you have piercings and tattoos no you know but the thing is like i think you can not like needles and still enjoy tattoos like there's nothing about a tattoo gun that looks like a needle no there's nothing about that sound there's nothing about the way it feels and also like in your head you're not thinking oh, they're going to shove this into my vein. You're right. like, oh, they're going to paint on me like a marker. Right. Ow, why does it feel like sunburn? Ow, ow, ow. Like. Right, it's true. Um, yeah, no, I didn't do... I still don't do needles well. I don't know why. Like, I can now get my blood draw without, like, having a complete anxiety attack. But for a long, long, long time, I would, like, freak out. But I still tell them. I say there's, like a scar here from where everyone gets it and if you can't get it in the first poke you're gonna go get someone else i tell them every time really yeah everyone has one poke that's it hmm. i don't trust you after that first poke and i get it like some people mess up whatever i just mentally i can't so when i got my tubes out um they tell you not to eat or drink for what it's like eight hours before since midnight the night before or something sure. So you don't and throw so, up. Yeah, or like aspirate when they put you under and tube you or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the big things was that I was dehydrated when I came in. Oh, so, so your veins were even harder to find. Exactly. And so they stuck me eight times, and I'm crying, like in pain, crying, in tears. And I look at this nurse, and I'm like, if you guys can't put an IV in me, how do I know you guys can take out my tubes? And they're like, well, that's not us. That's, like, the doctor. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you guys can't get, like, I was obviously over-emotional over and over-freaking out. I mean, as rightfully you should be. When you say tubes, you mean... Uh, my fallopian tubes. Okay. My hallway for eggs to my uterus to make babies. So you had that done after After last... my third child. So they let you heal after you have your kid, and then you come back and have that operation? Um, they can do it if you have a C-section. Oh, because you're already there. opened up. Yeah, but um, they did it laparoscopically. Um, super small. I don't even have... I don't even think I have the scars anymore. That was two years ago. What was that decision like? And, like, did... Because uh, you always hear horror stories about doctors giving you kickback. Like oh honey you're too young or like why don't we ask your husband or yeah so they want you to have both genders over like 26 or something and be married so like you know for sure that's your decision um i walked in to sutter davis it's just where i go i guess and um it's the place it's the place they're great there um and I brought all three kids at nap time. And I was like, can you please tie my tubes? Please, for the love of God, can you just <laughs> look at this shit? And she was like, yeah. I was like, really? She was like, yeah, you don't want your tubes? I'm like, no, I don't. She was like, yeah, I'll take them out. And then she scheduled it for like the next week. And I was like, wait, that was really fast. And, she's, and then she came to see me before the surgery and she's like, 
I'm gonna freeze some of your eggs, but like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. But I think that the number one thing that happens when women get their tubes out is that they regret it. Um, and she told me that when I went to that initial pre-op appointment, she was like, you're gonna regret it. And I was like, I don't think so. And she's like, you're going to, everybody does. But she wouldn't tie them because the probability of you getting ovarian cancer after they're tied goes up. So she just removes them. And I was like, I won't regret it because like I have other options. Like I can adopt and I can IVF and stuff. Like to me, it wasn't a big deal at the time, but I didn't realize the outer, like how people, like what people said to me when I was pregnant with my third, they were like, oh, so what, you're going to just populate the whole earth? And so like, it was really important to me to have that surgery so that I wouldn't have another child for the betterment of everyone else being like, oh, well now she can't have babies. So it was like more peer pressure than anything, honestly. It is kind of sad, but like, I think it bothers me like maybe once or twice a month now, especially when I get my period because there's no fucking reason for me to have that (laughs) shit. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. You earned your period. I, God, did I ever? So, so they don't. And I guess the 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 procedure and I should know what it's called. Lapidectomy or some shit. But that's when they they put a knot in them or they put a clamp over them, right? Yeah. And that blocks the egg from traveling down. Correct. But doesn't that have a failure rate and or yeah. isn't there an issue with ectopic pregnancies afterwards? There's a huge problem with ectopic pregnancies. So did they just like... They literally just cut it off my uterus. And so then that they there's... leave it in there? No, they took them out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your eggs and everything My just... eggs just float around in me. Well, how do you develop them? Like... My ovaries. Oh, they're still there. Mm-hmm. They're just I saw not my connected ovaries. to anything. Correct. Okay. I should know this. I feel no, dumb. Don't but feel dumb. But, like, also for everybody else who doesn't know this. And so that's, that's, that's that then, huh? Yeah. Your eggs are frozen in Davis? Yeah. And you can have them whenever you want? Yeah. You I don't think just, I like, ever would. One? Um, sometimes, but I think just that to, like, if to I... wearing a necklace? No. But I think if I were to ever, like have a child with someone again I would just go through the IVF process like they can retrieve them through a Mm -hmm. needle um to my ovaries they can retrieve them other ways so like to me it's not like I don't feel like it's a dire I'm still young so like I'm still like my eggs are there Mm -hmm. it's not like they're disappearing anytime soon so and I know I can get pregnant like I feel so bad for people who really struggle because I just, that's it. <laughs> Would they start it, like start the process and then implant it in you for you to carry? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, like, I feel dumb. I work in the medical field. You'd think I'd know. No, it's so not it's something really that people talk about. It's not. I think that, like, there's so much shame involved in not like 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 every facet of it if you really think about it like there's shame in getting pregnant for some weird reason unless like huge shame in getting pregnant unless you're white anglo-saxon married couples who 
you know, uh, were part of Greenpeace and donate to the DNC regularly, like, then it's okay. Right. But anybody else getting pregnant, there's always, uh, well, and I shouldn't even say that. Like, have your friends ever gotten pregnant and you're just like, oh, they're having a kid? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It is really, it's a bizarre thing. It's not anybody else's choice except yours. And by yours, I mean, like, figuratively the person getting pregnant. Right. But then there's shame in carrying the baby. Because, God forbid, we don't have those modern Eurocentric standards of, like, beauty where everybody has to be slim-waisted and, you know, whatever. Right, but not just that. There's a lot of, like, you can't eat this and you can't eat that. And then someone eats it in front and they're like, oh, wait, you're pregnant. Or, like, coffee is a huge thing. Really? Uh, Yeah. Caffeine when you're pregnant. You're only supposed to have, like, one cup of coffee a day. I mean, I only have that now. Yeah. But, like, there's other things. Stop. Um, No, there's, like, you can't eat lunch meat unless it's, like, warmed up because of listeria. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not a lot of fish because of mercury. See, that would trip me up. I love sushi. I don't love lunch meat. I could go the rest of my life not eat lunch meat and be okay. Really? Yeah. I don't think I could. I love, love just random We love the meats. Yeah. (laughs) Love the meats. Um, Yeah, no, I think that... There's, like, other things that it's just, like, it makes no sense to, like, shame these moms for, like, what if all they have in their fridge is a hot dog? Right. Eat it. Right. Right. A hundred percent. Well, you know, I don't want to walk down this trail. No, please don't. I love conversation trails. die. But, like, food is, is a commodity that everybody assumes we have equal access to yeah and it's it's this really fucked up scale because like i mean you see i live in a farming community we make tons of food like we throw out literal thousands of tons of food but the access to food is gated and like not to get all preachy and stuff like that and i love i love all of my vegetarian vegan friends i really do you're smiling but you probably know what I'm about to say. Vegan lifestyles are expensive. They are. It is. It's not. And and you can tell me until the cows come home that, like, it's, it's, you can eat cheap. Like, vegetables aren't expensive. Like, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, anybody who stays vegan for a very long time, it, their, their cost of food goes up and up and up. Like, you're, tr- you're constantly trying to make it palatable. And in doing that, you're seeking out ingredients that are more and more expensive. Because I think with vegetarian, vegan life, is also this one to be very holistic, to have whole foods, to have, you know, pesticide-free stuff. Um, and and there's all, so much pressure on mothers when they're pregnant not to eat bad, not to eat garbage, don't eat Oreos, don't eat this. Like, it's true. Fuck off. Like, not everybody's in the same situation. Eat that Taco Bell, girl. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. I I don't... We... Everybody wants the perfect kid, right? And yeah. I think the fear is, well, if I eat sushi while I'm pregnant, my kid will have cerebral palsy or something like that. Which I also hate. Especially, like, I'm going to go off into something else. Oh, the please do. vaccine thing. Yes. Vaccines cause autism. So you'd rather have a child dead 
than have a child with autism? Wait. Right. Like, that's kind of fucked. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but, like, I think the only thing that makes your child perfect is that they're exactly them. And I think that's what makes me a decent parent is that, like, I don't... I want my kids to grow up and be happy exactly how they are. I don't want them to feel like they have to be someone that they're not ever a day in their life. Um, and I really encourage that. Like, talk to me I, all the time. Baby's been had diarrhea for the last three, four days. And every time, like last night, he was screaming and crying and screaming and crying. And I'm like, just talk to me. And I'm, I've been able to have even my two-year-old sit there and be like, my butt hurts. Can you help me? And I think that that is one of the most important things that you can have given to you, like, from your parents, is, like, being able to communicate what you need and how you need it taken care of if you cannot do it yourself. I, first of all, um, found, like, like I hung out with your kids mm-hmm. briefly, and I, I think one of the things that amazed me was that, like, you don't baby talk to your kids. Mm-mm at all like you talk to them like they're people like when full sentences you're not like making up little cutesy words Mm -hmm. you're not like you're just talking to them like they're people um and and like you know how i do like i over and over over analyze everything and in my head i'm just like you know that's so smart like somebody might see that and be like oh she's not like she doesn't really like her kids. She's not catering to them. She's not talking to them in this cute way. And and then other people would be like, oh, good for you. Like, you're, they're going to learn how to talk. Um, they're going to learn how to speak because I can't speak. Like, a person, like an adult person, earlier than somebody who baby talks to their kids. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I'm just like, man, there's never a win. There's yeah. never a win. If you are a mom... And I feel I say that because I don't think dads get near as much criticism. You get criticism for two ways. I don't agree with it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying that it's a fact of life. If if you're a a blue-collar, manly, working man, and you have a son, and he comes out gay, you get criticism for that, or, or effeminate, or anything like that. Or you get criticism if you have a run. Right. And that's the only two things men get beat up about. Like, oh, your kid's small, Mark. Like, well, fuck off. Like, you know, his right. mom's a midget. I mean, just like... Right. And that that in itself is a funny paradox because, like, I think a lot of guys aren't comfortable enough with who they are and they seek out short chicks. Right. Like, guys love short chicks. They do. And I, I don't know, like... Give, give me a mountain. Give I, me a mountain. I, I don't give a F. I will seriously... I've never had a problem dating a chick taller than me. Really? Never once. So that's funny because I wouldn't date a dude shorter than me. Really? Yeah. Oh, you ableist piece of... <laughs> I'm just I don't know. I just... It's not that I don't find any attractive. It's just like, I'm short already and I have trouble reaching things. So like, <laughs> if we both can't reach it, that's going to be a problem. I, I get you. I I've get dated you. a girl that's shorter than me. I think it's weird. I feel for short guys, but I blame their parents. I'm just like, listen, your dad had no business at six four marrying your mom at four eight. Right. It's her fault that you're. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it happens a lot, it's right? True, yeah. Like you see these really tall guys, really short chicks, and mm. you're like, no, dude, you should be having some gladiators. Like you go find a go find a big girl. <laughs> like, right. No, it's true. And then go raise like the next track star. You might as well. I I mean, or just have like normal sized kids and not a bunch normal of size dudes who are five two. Well, Elijah's like... dad's six foot seven. Really? Yeah, and I'm god. what five two. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So where do you think Elijah's gonna land? Well, right now he's nine and five foot four. God, he's almost taller than me. Yeah. So he's gonna be. I mean, his growth chart. They say at five they give you a growth chart. They that said he's gonna be six six. So. Wow. He's gonna be tall as shit for no reason. I wanted to be six foot so bad. Oh, I believe it. I when feel I like was, that's like perfect for a guy. When I was a little kid, well, so when I was a little kid, my dad really liked the Eagles mm-hmm. and he would watch football and he used to tell us like, oh, well, you know, if you want to get into football, you got to eat your vegetables and drink milk and then you'll get to six foot. And if you're not six foot, you can't get in. My dad was 5'9". That right. son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> how Asshole. dare you? But, so it was just ingrained in me to be 6'6". Six, six. Um, so, you're probably the perfect person to have this this question for. Okay. Are you aware of what CRISPR is? No. CRISPR is a tool that they've created where you can alter the DNA of things. Okay. Um... The the application for it right now is like a you you can you can buy a CRISPR you can buy like this kit it's a CRISPR kit, and then you can like change the color of bacteria. Okay. It, it's it's kind of like silly stuff like that, but right. on wider applications, it has bigger impacts. And right away, like the UN's coming forward and they're like saying, "Oh, well, we need to make some laws." We just can't have people altering DNA all willy-nilly like. Right. That said. That said. Darling, I swear to you. It's okay. If if you were to unfreeze or extract one of your eggs Mm -hmm. and you were going to have another kid Mm -hmm. and they told you, look, we're going to have to do... We're gonna we're gonna have to implant this in you, but before we do that, here's a menu and a list of things that we can change with that egg. Like we can guarantee that it's not going to have cerebral palsy, any form of um, Down syndrome. You can choose the gender, the hair color, the eye color. You can choose how tall it's going to be. You can choose how much its metabolism metabolizes food. So like to a certain degree, how bulky or thin or muscular built your kid's going to be. Oh, I think about this all the time. Oh, really? I do. Um, and what's your answer? Uh, so I have... And I will advise you, the thing that you said prior to this was recorded. What? What did I say? <laughs> that you like your kids how they are. I do like my kids how I, they are. But if I were to have a choice, like, from one of my eggs, I would have a girl. I want a girl. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Would I be a good girl mom? Probably not. And that's okay. And I know I said that in the last, last podcast. But I think that's, like, the one thing, like, eventually I do want. And whether I adopt one or whatever, I would like a girl. Um, I want her to have green eyes and really? Zeke's blonde, dirty blonde hair. Okay. And Ruben's skin color. It's like a little bit darker. Um, 
and I want her to have curly hair. <laughs> curly hair. It needs to happen. She needs to have curly hair. Other than that, I don't care. She'd come out with Down syndrome. She'd come out autistic. She'd come out with, like, whatever. I wouldn't care. I just, those are the things that I want in a little girl. And you would have no problem checking that list. Oh, yeah. No problem. Nothing. Just, yeah, yo, give me that menu. How much is this? Right. Dead. Dead on. Um, other than that, yeah, like, I don't care how tall she is or whatever. I, I think about this a lot. Like, designer babies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, like, the application that they're touting is, like, well, we could, like, we could 100% correct any DNA-driven, any hereditary disease. We could eliminate. Right. You could eliminate factor five. You could eliminate sickle cell. You could eliminate, like, so many different things. So, right. like, it's kind of there. But in the back of my head, and this is going to sound so bad, and I'm almost afraid to say it, like... Charlie wants to be a part of this. I know, and he's messing up my audio feed. It's so all... is the air conditioner, though, so whatever. Um, I think we have an unhealthy relationship with death sometimes. I think we do. We definitely do. I, I think... love dead people. I, 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 mean, I wasn't going that far. Oh, I'm okay with it. But, like, I feel like we... We try too hard to have, like, our relatives and people stick mm-hmm. around longer than what is quality of life for them. Get a DNR for your loved one. <laughs> I'm so serious. I don't want to be pound... Oh, that's a whole want, other topic. You don't want CPR? No, I don't want to do CPR on a 98-year-old grandma who can't even remember her name. Well, and that is that's the converse side of it, is, like... Going out there and resuscitating people and giving them extravagant, expensive health care over and over and over again. And, like, yeah, the cliche is they don't know who they are. But I'm telling you, it's not a cliche. Like, it is. They literally don't know. It's a fact of life that, like, there are people, human beings, that walk around in a state of obscurity. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, one of the things about our job that is so depressing is when you take somebody to one of those facilities and you just see somebody, like, in a chair, drugged out of their mind, drooling on themselves, and Mm -hmm. you're like, what? For what? No quality of life. I took, and it haunted me for a long time. It really hurt. Like, it it hurt my heart so bad. Uh Uh-huh. I took... Uh, a 67 year old man who had contractures in every limb so for people who aren't medical minded like their arms their muscles are basically like solidly taut it, which sounds painful and they're in like a fetal position and they cannot move mm-hmm. so he can't feed himself he can't water himself he can't what, like he's a plant can't, he can't clean up after himself Right. and he had down syndrome mm-hmm. which was like astounding that he had Down syndrome and he was that that old, but they had these contractures. He was Liz. I'm telling you, and if I tear up, I'm sorry. He was the sweetest person. I believe it. He was nothing but joy and love, and we took him to this filthy, disgusting. I don't want to call it a nursing home, but it was just like this hellhole mm-hmm. downtown in Philadelphia. Of course. And we put him onto a bed that they didn't have made. Yeah. The, the, the staff comes in with a flat sheet 
with dried blood on it. And I was like, we can't use this. It's got blood on it. She's like, well, that's all I got. You know, the laundry, blah, 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 is backed up. So, like, I went back out to the ambulance, got dry, like, flat sheets. But, like, he didn't have a fitted sheet. He had no pillows. I was giving him all the blankets and balling them up to make pillows. Like... Because there's no way he could be comfortable. I wanted to cry. I believe it. I would want to cry, too. I've taken people into, like, totally able-bodied people. Able to take care of themselves, but, like, they just need rehab or something. And to like these awful places and they're like oh you're just gonna leave me here like yeah, doesn't that break your heart I just, I'm sorry that like I can't tell these people how to do their jobs and I'd love to half I, the time I know that senior care and rehab places like that they're the second most regulated thing in America but it just seems to me like there's a failing point like it's not there good has enough. to be there has to be. And I know there's no funding. And, like, they get paid by insurance. And, you know, what does insurance want to pay out? Like, bare minimum. Right. I had a friend who worked in food services for a nursing home. And he said that his crowning achievement... And he said it with, like, so much pride. And I was just like, this is, this is wrong. But he right. said his crowning achievement was he was able to feed all, like, all of the residents for $3.50 a day. $3.50. What does that buy you? I'm literally speechless. Like, and, and he was happy about it. Like, this was... He did good. And I'm like, yeah, no. There, there's something about our system that's fucked up. Way fucked up. That's crazy. Tell me God. about the adoption process. Okay, sorry. sorry. We went off. I told you crazy. we were going to go off. It's fine. Um, Adoption. Uh, So, yeah, I didn't, like, really ask about it for a couple years. Um when I became interested in it. I mean, it never really bothered me as a child. I think what bothered me the most is, like, my adopted parents, Craig and Nancy, they, like, didn't want to tell me about it. And I didn't understand why they didn't want to tell me about it. Um, me, as a parent now, I tell my kids everything because of that. Like, there's nothing if they ask me a question they know the answer if I don't have the answer I figure it out it's just like it doesn't make sense to me that you would sit here and be like oh we didn't want to tell you because we didn't like you're ours okay yeah I'm yours but I'm also someone else's and I think that that really really fucked me up um I didn't really think about it again every once in a while I like would think about it or like my sister would bring it up my sister was really really intrigued with her birth family um she ended up actually moving in with them when she was 18 she moved down to arizona and moved in the house with them wow yeah like she found them she wanted to be part of their lives and she had like a bunch of little siblings which is cool like that's cool um how what fucks me up about all that is that you were the oldest and they decided to just get rid of you (laughs) That is pretty crazy. And but you're still, like... And I get it. Situations and whatever. Like, I Maybe understand. that was just the wrong time. Right. It's just, like... I mean, they make her feel like family, so that's good for her. But... Did they want her to move down? Like... I don't know, like, the logistics of all that. Right. Um, I don't really talk to her. I never really talk to her. But I know that... 
she that was like her thing since she was like 13 14 she's like I'm gonna find my birth family and I'm gonna move with them which like I don't know it's weird to me like I've met some people um 23andMe there's this um a lady that contacted me um I forgot her name <laughs> she texts me all the time too uh, Isn't that freaky? Tracy. Um, and she, I guess she, she's on this like super, super long deep hunt for her birth dad. Like super long deep hunt. So she had found me on 23andMe and in Ancestry and for like a year and a half now has been messaging me. And I finally gave in like two months, three months ago and was like, hey, like this is my phone number. Give me a call. Like, I don't know anything but like you can give me a call like you obviously are interested in having family it's fine like we can talk and how are you related to her um so originally she was like i'm your aunt oh okay and then she talked to like i said she like literally has a notebook with all of this stuff so she talked to someone else they feel like his name was ray or some shit i don't exactly remember and he said that we were all cousins and then now she texted me, like, literally Wednesday. It's, what, Sunday now? Mm -hmm. She texted me, um, hello, beautiful. After doing a little more research, I think Sheila's my older sister, and I'm and you're my niece. Still digging. And I'm like, wow, this just keeps getting crazier. Um, that is... That's a hunt. Yeah, and, like... I understand it to an extent, but, like, if people don't want to be found, they don't want to be found, and I feel like we should respect that. Um, though, I do understand that, like, her father did pass away, from my understanding that she, he passed away and she never knew him, and she just, like, wants closure, I guess. She has, she's, like, in her 40s, and she has a teenager, and super, super nice. She's such a nice person. Um, but I told her, I'm like, hey, like, we're family because we're blood related. Um, tell me, like, you can more than, more than happy to hear what you have to say, but like, don't expect me to be like completely submerged in this because I'm past that. When my dad died, um, I have an older sister I never met. Mm -hmm. My dad was married before, uh he had gotten out of the marines and he had gotten married uh like right away and he had a kid mm -hmm. and they they had bought a house and like he had this whole life and stuff and whatever um thanks darling but uh yeah so when he died i thought wow like i don't know because the only time i can like my mom lies is when her lips move, so I don't know. Right, my, my mom's the same. I don't know how much my dad was in her life or how much he knew or what the deal was. But I felt like if my dad died, and I'd, even if I didn't have a relationship with him, I'd probably want to know that, right? Right. So I went for, and what do you have, like three days a week when somebody's getting buried? Right. So I tried really hard. Like, I tracked down every minuscule lead I had I talked to everybody that I knew my mm -hmm. brother talked to everybody that we knew we narrowed it down to this one chick who was an EMT um, somewhere in 
it was somewhere like Upper Darby or something mm-hmm. like that. So I messaged her and I was just like, hey, this is my name. Um, if it looks familiar, that's great because I think we could be related and your dad died. <laughs> and she's well, like, no. no, definitely not. And that was it. That was that was all she said. So like, okay. I, that was the end of that. I just, you know, like dust my hands off when I tried. Right. I can I can sleep well tonight knowing I gave it a go. Right. But like I th- think now after the fact, like what if I had found her? Right. And like what if she had all these questions and I had to be like, uh I mean he was he was okay when he wasn't beating us. Right. Like Right. Would you rather find out that like your dad was an abusive jerk or um, I feel like most people don't want to know that. They want to have the image. They want to have the storyboard. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like m- I could care. Sorry if you're my dad and listening to this. I doubt that'll ever happen. But I don't. I don't think that matters as much to me as like my mom, and that's mm. probably because I have a decent relationship with Craig. Mm-hmm. Like he calls me, I call him. Like we're able to have a fine conversation period um but like I can't I can't talk to my mom at all like I called her the other day when I was walking into your house with the kids and I hung up on her because she just if I call her for one thing she like goes to like left field with bullshit and I'm like I like I don't doesn't matter one it doesn't matter to me and two like come on um, she's not a bad person. She just, I don't know. She's crazy. I think it's, that's the thing with family is you don't get to pick who your family is. Right. And you certainly aren't going to jive with them all the time. Right. And I think that's one of my big things now is that like, I'm an adult and I get to choose my family. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that's what I'm really struggling with now is that like, I have to choose what I'm my next move is am I going to make the kids dad someone I want to be with or am I going to co-parent and I think that's one of my big things is like I could have a family that is quote-unquote whole but would I be happy like could I be fake happy for a long time oh yeah I could be fake happy for a long time and be fine but I don't think that would do anyone any justice at the same time. So it's like, it really is like a genuine decision that like, I'm realizing that I get to choose this. I'm at a point in my life where I get to choose what I, what happens. I don't know. I, sometimes I'm afraid that I live my life like from quotes and things that I've read. One of the things that I, I've seen parried about the internet now for a while and it's actually from a poem from the 1900s and somebody said that we aren't we aren't afraid of our dark we aren't afraid of the things that make us scared or make us scary to other people we're not afraid of the failures that we experience or the sorrows that come with the loss of something but we're actually afraid of our light we are afraid that we are so capable of achieving all of our dreams that we don't chase them. Yeah. Um, 
I think that that resonates a lot with me. It's like I know that I can do a lot. I know that I'm smart enough to do what I want to do. But like, what happens when I get there? Isn't that like the most exciting thing ever though? No, because then what? Then you get to live in it. You get to experience the thing that you put on a pedestal for so long. And but then, and then it gets old, right? And then you find something else that lights you afire. See, I don't know if I said this before, but EMT school when I passed, I had never been proud of myself before that in my life. Really, I'd never like sat down and been like, "Holy shit, I did something that I wanted to do," and I'm so proud of myself. You should be. You're a really good provider. Um, thank you. But, like, high school didn't mean anything to me. So, like, it was, like, the first time I went out and I chose to do something. And on top of that, I fully saw it through. And I completed it. And I passed all the tests. And I was able to become a California EMT. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, it sounds so stupid. but like It's not. That's my biggest accomplishment. Like, and now, like... I want more, but at the same time, like, I don't, like, will I ever feel that again? I fear that I will never be proud of myself like that again. You because, will. okay, but also, my other big thing is that Bella's listening to this and she's like, bitch, yes. <laughs> um, I don't finish things. I don't. I went to MA school. I made it's a nine month program. I did eight medical assisting. Okay. I did eight and a half months. Okay. Okay. That was it. I mean, that's life, though. That's life? Yeah. I, did, I like, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me, one, but, like, for so long, that's what I wanted to do. And I ended up doing it for a little bit, like, but it wasn't, it wasn't what made me happy. Um, I don't know if I talked about, I didn't talk about this in my last, in the last one. Um, my ex-girlfriend, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've told you this. Maybe. We do talk not from, like... <laughs> I know, I'm just trying to remember if I've told you this. But, um, when I met her and her mom, I... Meeting her mom was the first person in my life I wanted to make proud. Really? Yeah. And I don't know what it was about her. I don't know if it was because she told me that I made her proud regularly, um, and every time she told me that, I would bawl my eyes out because I didn't hear that. Oh. Um, and so, like, I tried so hard to make her mom proud every day of my life. Um, and she told, I'm going to fucking cry. She told me that no matter what happens, the day I walk across the stage as a nurse, she'll be there. And I hope that she is, honestly. Like, she taught me so like amanda and i it was great like we had a run she's i still love her i think that she's great i hope that she's doing well um but her mom had such an impact on my life to this day i want to text her all the time and be like you your impact on my life like she taught me my work ethic she taught me like time management she taught me um how to just do shit for myself because that's you have to do shit for yourself like no one's gonna do it for you 
Um, but, oh God, she was great. But, like, I still, I, like, I don't feel like, I don't have that person right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, and that sounds stupid. Like, I should be it able doesn't. to make myself proud. But, like, I don't have anyone that, I, like, I'm dying to make proud. And I think that's my problem right now. Well, no. Okay, so it's not stupid. For, first of all, I'll walk all the way back to the beginning. High school isn't something that most people are proud of. Because it's become, it's the standard for normalcy. If you don't graduate high school, you have a problem. Right. But if you graduate high school, you've only hit the, the bare minimum standard for a functioning adult. So, right. like, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't hold that to any level. Plus, it's free. And, and it's, it, there's, it's just not unique. Um, in California, there are anywhere from 30 to 50 million people living the state at any given time. Mm-hmm. How big was your EMT class? Mm, I think it started like 30, but graduated 22. 22. So let's, let's take that, and there's probably maybe 300 places in California you could go get your EMT. I don't know, I guess. So if simple math is 20 people at times 300 a year, you're, you do the math. Out of 60,000. 50 million people, you're one out of 60,000 people to achieve a certification like that. That's unique. That's special. It's unheard of. It's extraordinary for you to take those steps. Everybody chases avenues that they think are gonna find they're gonna find fulfillment and enjoyment out of, like, you know, being an MA. Um, one of the things, uh, and I've never told you this. I don't know if you want to learn this about me. I do. I want to learn everything about you, Josh. But, but so my dad, um, the very first time I remember, I must have been five or six it was it was at that age where like you remember things vividly but not like the majority of your day and um my brother and i were playing gi joes and it was like my dad wasn't one of those like oh some far do or die i was in the marines he really didn't talk about it too much but like it was one of the things my mom talked about. It was one of the things, like, the people around my dad talked about. Like, oh, he served two tours in Vietnam. Like, he was he was in the Marines. And I had come up to my dad with, like, a little uh, G.I. Joe. And I was just like, when I grow up, I'm going to be in the Army just like my dad. And my dad smacked it out of my hand and was like, I was in the Marines. Aww. I didn't know what the difference was right. at the time. But, like, that, as I got older... Um, you know, he would hammer that home. I wasn't in the army. I was in the Marines. I wasn't in the army. I was in the Marines. And like, he built this, this shroud of this thing. And then like, I, you know, I I learned that my dad was in Vietnam and it was like the coolest thing in the world. And all I wanted was to make my dad proud. Mm -hmm. All I wanted was to be something in his eyes because you know, he, he would get so mad, he'd beat the piss out of us for not doing the dishes or not doing this. And, like, I was always smart enough to know when to disappear, always smart enough to know, like, be doing something when he comes downstairs. Don't wait for him to hit, like, the room and then him have to tell you to do something. Be right. doing something. 
And that didn't always work. Like, he would catch on to my bullshit, and, like, I'd be, you know, folding laundry or something like that. And he'd still come over and, like, upside my head. But I just, I wanted to impress my dad. I wanted to be in the Marines so bad. So, so bad. Like, that's all I talked about in my teens. Um, I was a fat teen. I was always, I, I've said this before, like, there's no picture. I could show you all my baby pictures. There's no point in my life that I was never referred to as overweight. So, like, at 16, I would go out and I would run and not well. And I would, like, do push-ups and I would try to do pull-ups at, the like, the, the monkey bars on the gym, like, yada, yada, yada. At 17, I went to Reading High, got into JROTC, and I was, like, pseudo in, like, the junior Marines, whatever. And I was horrible at PT. Like, I couldn't run to save my life. I went, um, took my ASVAB, and uh, with the ASVAB is the test you take right. to get in the military. I've taken it. And then um, I, I got all the way to the point where I went to go do my physical. They put us on a bus. They drove us down to Fort Indian Town Gap, and we had to run a mile and a half in, like, 12.5 or some, some banal time. And uh, I, I started running, and I, I was fat. I couldn't do it. I was, like, pushing myself because mm. I thought, this is it. This is do or die. I've got to make it in. It's post 9-11. Everybody's joining the military. Right. They, they don't, like, they can be picky. They don't have to take everybody. Like, right, right now... I think at 35, I could walk into the office for, like, maybe not the Marines, but, like, probably the Air Force or the Coast Guard, and they'd be like, Jesus Christ, we need bodies. Like, right. I'd get an exemption for this, I'd get an exemption, but, like, then they were being really picky. So I was running, like, my guts out, and I threw up, and they pulled up in the Hummer next to me, and they're just like, uh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, wheezing and coughing and gagging on my own spittle, and, like, like get in the Humvee. They pulled me back, and, like, the doc, uh, the medic at the time was like, you lied on your fucking application. I hear that. You have asthma. You wrote on your application you don't have asthma. Do you know what lying on your application means? And they black me. <laughs> and that was it. And I had to live with that. And, like, fuck me if for years afterwards I never felt good enough for anything. Right. Never in my life was I ever going to be that one thing that I really, really, really wanted to be. Right. I'm at a point now, you know, I'm 15, 16 years removed from that, where, like, I realize that I dodged a bullet. Right. I've also learned so much more about my dad and his experience, and why, like, he never supported me in going into the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. I think one of the greatest things my dad ever said to me was when I graduated the fire academy with my fire one, mm -hmm. uh, I said to him, I was like, look, you know, I couldn't get into the Marines, but I did this. And he goes, I like you carrying a hose a lot better than I ever liked the idea of you carrying a rifle. Aww. And that's all he ever said. That was it. That's sweet. But it's, you know, that... I I don't I used to have a monolithic look on life like if I do this one thing I'm going to be so happy and now I see life like the Chinese buffet I want some dim sum I want some I want some like sushi I want some fried rice like there's no reason in this world that you can pick one thing that you want to do one thing that you want one goal one dream 
one thing that makes your heart beat and then believe truly that that's going to keep that fire ignited for 60, 70 years. You are, it is okay. It is encouraged. Fucking go out there and please chase something for five years, four months, three days. It doesn't matter. If it sets your heart on that fire that day, that's good enough. Mm. And I know I'm going to be like that my whole life. I know when I finally get my dream municipal firefighter job, it ain't going to be enough. I want to be a captain. I want to be a fucking chief of a giant metropolitan department. It's never going to be enough for me. Right. That's fine. That's healthy. It's it's okay. Well, I don't know even know what I want to do now, so I'm in this weird spot where do I want to continue EMS? Do I want to keep going? I don't know. It's okay. Is it? Yeah. It kills me every day. It's okay to be in that spot. I hate it. To that point of unknown. I feel like I'm a teenager again. So what if you is? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Not <laughs> like that. I'm just saying, like... There's something in my pant. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's good audio. That's good audio. All I'm saying is... It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be upset and to feel, um... Would you find, like, a marble? Weed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's... You're in a lull. You're in a slump. Of which we did not get to talk about at all, but that's fine. It's fine. Like, it's... I'm sure there'll be another. I hope so. I really... I enjoy the chemistry between us on this. It's fun. Okay. I enjoy learning about you. I enjoyed the questions. I liked being reverse interviewed. That was pretty fun. So, you know one of my favorite stupid sayings is from the South, which I'm full of axioms. Oh, I know you are, but tell me. Uh, can't give too much candy to the baby. Oh, yeah? So, I think at an hour 15, everybody's had enough of Liz. I'm going to make you dinner, if that's okay. Yeah. And, um... If you'll come over and do another podcast again. Of course, Joshy. It was a lot of fun. I don't know that this is like a good part two, but who cares? My podcast thrives off of chaos, I think. Like, yeah, that was a little chaotic. If, when you listen to this and then you listen to the ones I just did with Steph, or like you go back and listen to my other bullshit where I just tell a story. It's so stupid. I like it. It's it's why I named it Bard Talk, because I just don't want to be pinned down. And sometimes that freedom boxes me in because I have the freedom to talk about anything. I can't just go back to like an old topic and just keep hammering home and kick a dead horse. Let's not kick dead horses. I, I envy sports guys. Why? Because sports guys have it the easiest. They just come on. They're like, Pete Rose, in or out of the Hall of Fame. And that's it. Then a bunch of people call in a radio show and they're like, well, I think P. Rose only ever bet on himself. And like, boom, your whole show is made. You don't have to do anything. That's true. I always have to come up with something. But this is fun. I like this. Me too. Thank you, Liz, for coming. Thank you, Josh, be for back, having right? me. Of course. Um, I met a new friend, Bella, by proxy, I guess, right? Yeah. So shout out to Bella. Hi. I hope you enjoy um, if you go back and listen to the older ones, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I was a baby trying to figure out how to do this. I feel like I've got it a little bit better. 
Uh, I do apologize. It's summertime. My air conditioner runs. I don't have a studio that I do this in, so you got to kind of deal with the auto quality. Darley wanted to be part today. Darley wanted to be part. My neighbors picked today at 6.14 p.m. Eastern time to mow their grass. Like, F me. But I think it was a good episode. Um, Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Josh. Have a good week. Everybody else, have a good week. Stay safe. Bye.